Welcome to Conversations with Achievers. I'm your host, Robert Wright. I'm a mentor to owners, executives, and their teams, and CEO of Extraordinary People, LLC. I work with people that want to create extraordinary business performance with less stress, more joy, and more personal fulfillment. So sit back, relax, and prepare to learn from your peers as we explore what it takes in terms of attitudes, habits, and behaviors that achieve extraordinary results. Results for yourself, for your family, and your community. Hello, it's Robert, and what an incredible guest we have today. I think we're going to learn a lot from Eric Donovant. And Eric is the CEO of Paradigm, a, uh, a investment advisory firm and in, in down in Louisiana. How'd I do, Eric? You did well. You did well. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, you and I know each other a bit. We've worked together a bit on uh, presenting ideas around living a better story. Yeah. And uh, we've had some conversations that have been valuable to me. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm so excited about sharing your wisdom with my audience. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself briefly and tell us how you got to this uh, little town in Louisiana with uh, <laughs> a, a five diamond set of clients? Yeah, that's it. So um, my name is Eric L. Donovan. As Robert mentioned, I do run a company called Paradigm. I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, and we'll get into that a little bit more. What I've been known as is the mindset disruption strategist. And it comes down to this idea. This is, this is my passion. This is what I get really excited about. And we'll see where it takes us today. But what I've found is the way that we get wired to think pushes us into patterns and activities and ideas that actually leave us stuck in someone else's system. And so it takes mindset disruption to really break out and achieve success, whether that's financially or personally or spiritually or wherever that kind of falls. Um, I've been married to my wife, Angel, for 25 years. I've got three kids, Clayton, who is 21. My son, Austin, is 18. My daughter, Grayson, is 16. That's been an incredible blessing. And I landed in Louisiana 19 years ago trying to get back to Texas. From And we were living in Arizona. We overshot the state. <laughs> um, and I had a chance to run a private client division for a very large financial services firm. I worked for them until 2007. So 15 years ago, I walked out and hung my own shingle and really was sitting inside of the space of wealth management, financial planning um, and frustrated because what I felt like was happening is ever it was cookie cutter solutions for everyone, high net worth all the way down, cookie cutter solutions that were more focused on the money than they were on the impact they were making on families and the outcomes they were creating for generational wealth. And was mentored by a gentleman who for 30 years had, had been partnering with families to ask better questions, to disrupt their mindsets about what they were doing. And so um, 10 years ago, he got ready to retire and I purchased his process and his systems and his people. Um, and so today, the way I like to describe it is Paradigm is a multifamily office serving high net worth families to help them redefine success, not based on what the world says, but based on what they're really wanting to create, again, from an impact and a generational prosperity standpoint. Well, the part of your story that I recall is that when you were with that large firm and had a big opportunity, I think with a family that yeah. some, some large money came their way and you spent a lot of time and effort and your team put together this amazing plan and 
kind of like overnight, you realize that this was not the, the answer. Is that, is my, how's my memory? Well, your memory is pretty good. I'm going to change a couple of details only because or we'll get into the, I'm going to change a couple of things that deal with the facts, which are, yes, it was a very large wealth family. It wasn't my team. It was, so we went and it's like, let's go get the very best estate planning attorney and the best insurance agent, and the best everybody. And we brought everybody into the room and they built this plan. And my answer within 24 to 48 hours in my mind, I'm going, that's it. That's all you could come up with. Um, it was ir- ir- in it's short because people always kind of ask, well, what was it? It was like, it was a really, really good tax plan. It was a really, really good estate plan. I didn't have the evidence at the time, but I'm like, where's the impact to society and people and spiritually? And where's the impact to the community? And where's, and what, and then I was like, what's the impact of this going to be on the family at the time? They'd really, really young children. Um, and what ended up happening. So I, w- I was right. This really, really good tax and estate plan about 10 years later, it was a family business that went initial public offering on the stock market and the family's wealth increased by 10x what it was. And it made all the children independently wealthy before they were 18 because it was a really, really good tax plan, a really, really good estate plan. Now, fortunately, this family was made. The the first thing was they were like, well, that's not what we wanted to have happen. Well, the cat's already out of the bag when that much Mm -hmm. wealth comes in. But the rest of the, there were other family members that I didn't help, but we had one nephew that passed away from addiction. We have one niece that is still completely unmotivated to do anything these days because she's got access to her trust and what else could she need? Um, And those are the types of impacts and things like that, that I'm like, now you can build a great estate plan, a great tax plan, but that does not mean it's going to create great results for the family. Yeah, uh, you're aware that I kind of retired uh, for uh, 12 years and lived in Aspen, Colorado, and I met some seriously wealthy people. You know, the joke about Aspen is that the millionaires have now been crowded out by the billionaires. <laughs> right. uh, one of those billionaires became a personal friend, and uh, we traveled together, vacationed together. It did several things to kind of help him out in, in his journey and as a, as a coach, as a mentor. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but when I looked at his, he unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but when I looked at his life, he had five children from, from two different marriages. Uh, three of the five were addicted to something mm. and had been in rehab several times. He had given them all like uh, over $250 million dollars uh, when they were 28 years old, and and that kind of was paying for the drug habits and a whole lot of other bad things. One of the five was reasonably successful uh, guy, but uh, and then since his death, they're all suing each other, you know. And um, I, I'd like to, you know, I've made some money, I've be- become successful. It's really clear to me that uh, that truly money doesn't buy happiness. So that's kind of the bumper sticker, but right. that money can, is a tremendous source of freedom if it's planned for and uh, addressed. And that uh, if I could make some decisions over again, it would be about that, about really emphasizing uh, my family and, and freedom. Uh, so I like, I love what you do, Eric. Well, I've kind of, you go back to redefining success. I, I think, you know, um, being a serial entrepreneur and an idea guy, which I think you resonate with, like it's, you're always having yeah. new ideas and fresh ideas, right? <laughs> fresh ways to communicate. What has been fun is we've kind of been expressing more this way 
Like everyone tells you that what you need is higher ROI. You need higher return on investment, right? <laughs> right. If you have really good return, and that's what there was great tax planning and great tax strategy, right? Typically, but terrible family plan. The return on investment of that planning was incredible. The problem with return on investment is it puts you into a vicious cycle of three slash four things. One is it puts you into a place of fear or greed. So you're either fearful that you're, something's going to go wrong or you're going to, you know, or the market's down. Oh my goodness, my balance sheet's down. Or you're greedy that, oh my goodness, I'm missing out on something. Why am I, my, the Joneses next door are getting this. Why am I not getting that? Both of those mindsets push you into scarcity. You're constantly thinking about what you don't have, what not what you do have, which then leads you into a mindset of, I've got all of this. What if I lose it? Now I've got to protect it. And it's this vicious cycle. And what I've discovered is there's a different way. It's a different ROI. I call it return on intention. Ooh, good and one. Re- return on intention with, and we'll get into it. We can talk a little bit about what return on intention is, but what I've discovered and what the multifamily office that I'm running and, and the other, I'm doing some coaching and some other things like that is the return on intention is actually better return on investment. Because when you get into return on intention, what you have is you have peace or peace and certainty around what you're doing. You are, see the world from an abundance mindset and you're looking at what kind of impact you can make. And when you're in that place, it's a different decision-making process. Um, so with that, I'll stop there because there's actually four different ROIs that make up return on intention, but I at least want to stop there in case you've got any questions. Or- <laughs> well, I want to uh, change the subject, but at okay, the, do it. when we complete here today, I'm going to ask, ask you to tell people how to be in touch with you and, Absolutely. and, and to encourage them Look, it's not about creating some result with Eric. It's it's about being in relationship with him and learning from him. That's that's what I've learned. Uh, and we'll get back to that. Look, Eric, I want to give you permission not to answer something. And that is, I, I got a hint recently that you've run into a few problems with uh, your business. And of course, in I, what I know from feedback from our listeners, they want to know about the, the problem and how you got through it. Is that something you're willing to talk about or is that something you're I'm willing like to-, to talk about it, except that I just want your listeners to know is we're less than a month really reviewed. So I don't, my wife this morning and I were having a conversation and she was like, I think I'm over it. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not over it yet. I'm just going to confess to you. I'm not over it yet. I'm still dealing with some of the, the betrayal and pain inside of it. Um, she was like, I don't wish him ill. I don't wish them ill. And I'm like, I'm not sure I'm at that point. I mean, I need to, I know I need to get to that point, right? I need to get to that point where I don't wish them ill. Um, but I can't honestly, truth telling, tell you that I'm there yet. If that makes sense. I just, it, it, it does. The learning the is, healing. the and learning so, is not complete. You know, I've shared, I may have shared this on a, on a different podcast, but you know, I spent from 2015 until 2020, six years, in China. And uh, I, I got in front of more than 100,000 people, uh, uh, more than 20,000 people actually attended a training that I did. But what I started doing because of something that had happened in my life, I started asking two questions. Uh, one was, how many of you are estranged from a family member, essentially out of connection, out mm. of any relationship that you really want? Mm. And, it, and I asked that question because it had happened in my life and I was upset about it. And I'm just curious. I wonder if I'm the only one. And uh, this, this is an informal survey of 100,000 people. 
mostly executives, and wow. 70% put up their hands. Wow. Seven out of 10. Wow. Now, there, I think it was higher. I think that's a difficult thing in a public group to put up your hand and admit. But the other question, which deals with whatever it is you're going through, was how many of you have been betrayed personally or in business? 100%, Eric. Mm. Wow. 100%. And what that's motivated me to do is I've been working myself on, okay, those things happen in life. How do you deal with them? Yeah. How do you deal internally, but how do you deal in terms of getting outside resources, things like that? So it's, it's so I think it's a rich, rich field for uh, deeper learning, deeper discussion, and, yeah. and reaching out to some friends to find out how they handled it. Maybe we'll have you come back on when you've uh, figured out what you're learning from all this. Well, I, I'll tell you, I mean, if you want to, I'd be happy to tell you some of the things I've learned just in the last month. I'm just telling you my learning journey is not over. So. All right. What is what happened without getting into too many details is I had a high level, a person in a very high level leadership position within our company. And we carry very, very strong values and very, I mean, we've got set core values that are reiterate. You, you always talk about business. What's the best thing you do is we'll reiterate the core values over and over and over again inside the company. And, and my employees have told me over, you know, several times, like, man, one of the things I love is not only do we know, we know what our values are, we live them out. They are part of our culture. They're part of where we are. And I had this high level employee. And what you need to know is I knew this person from when they were in high school. Like mm. I brought them up. I helped mentor them. I helped bring them in. So it's going to make the betrayal is going to make a little bit more sense. But they made a blatant choice to completely disregard our values, involve another employee in the disregard for our values. Um, and then when they were caught, in the situation of hey we've this is this is exposed right they their regret was over being caught not over the violation of values that sounds like some of our politicians <laughs> doesn't it <laughs> and i think that's the betrayal right mm. we're all here's my we're all human i understand mistakes i I'm frustrated that you blatantly chose to go do it. But I mean, one of the, the, the word repentance means to turn around and stop doing what you were doing, right? So when you come to a point and recognize, sometimes I think we can be blinded to what we were doing. You know, the, the frog in the pot, it, it slowly happens. Nobody ever typically goes out and does something very specific without having slowly slid down the slope. So I've got a lot of grace for forgiveness for that. But this particular individual still to this day, is in a position of like little regret, little remorse. And I've, I've tried to invite several, you're talking about reconciliation. Like I walked into a point of trying to create a place for reconciliation and they had no desire for it and no desire to repent or turn around from what they were doing. or anything. And what has become even harder in that is enforcing cult, you know, when you're enforcing culture and things like that is, we are now getting to a point where I'm also, this is why I'm still wrestling with this. I'm now facing down what I did to him, not what he did to the organization. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so like I'm receiving feedback and, and pieces of info and, and, and things like that, that like, well, because 
we did have to we did have to bet let both employees go because I mean we've got a culture. One of the things that my wife and I were talking about, which is like we've got to protect the business, we got to protect the culture of the business. And so we really we spent a lot of time doing some investigation. And when we got done, it was like, nope, we've got to let these people go. We can't continue with the culture that we have. But it's been about what I did to him not the fact that he caused his own consequences. And I'm like, I'm just helping you live out your consequences. I didn't do anything to you. And so that, you know, that part of betrayal hurts too. Oh, this, I, is, uh, this is not a coaching session. And uh, I may send you an invoice for this, uh, <laughs> Eric, but I, I will tell you that the key, the way through is for you to take personal responsibility for everything that happened, that the context that you set up and your style, and I, I wish I had, you know, like five bucks or something like that for every uh, client of mine that said, well, I'm an idea guy. I don't know how that happened. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's this piece about in uh, setting up values, living them, but also enforcing them. Yeah. Uh, some professor from the University of Michigan, I believe, set up this grid, one of those four quadrant grids where the vertical axis was uh, results hmm. and the horizontal axis was values. So lower left, right? Low on culture, low on values, low on results. You throw a party and say, obviously this isn't the place for you. Yeah. Uh, I wish you well in your future. Uh, lower right would be uh, high on values, but low on results. That's trainable. That's yeah. teachable. Yeah. You can teach people skills and you know, methodologies and systems and scripts and all those things. Uh, upper right, which is high on values and high on results, those are your superstars. You pay them more, you give them more recognition, you rotate them into different jobs to give them different experiences, you show them a path forward to where their superstardom is recognized and rewarded. Yeah. The interesting one, which you've just confronted, is high on results and low on values. And uh, uh, the recommendation on that one is a public hanging. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I've made this mistake myself. I, I've, I've fired people because of values violations and then allowed them to go tell the story of why they were fired. <laughs> Plus the staff that stays behind, what I didn't realize myself, and I would suggest your staff would be the same, they judge you for letting it happen. Mm. And, and they make up stuff about how you knew it, but you ignored it, all kinds of stuff like that. And they lose trust in you. And that happened for me. Uh, a public hanging is uncomfortable and embarrassing and all that stuff. But it tells your team, your clients, everybody in your world that Eric stands for something. Yeah. End of free coaching. <laughs> I <appreciate laughs> but I think for any of our listeners, since betrayal is such a common thing happening, uh, either personally or in business, the key is always to first really own it, yeah. to really take personal responsibility, to really look at how did I set this up? How did I create the context for this to happen? Because that's the way to get back your power. Yeah. 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 Uh, Fortunately, I've got a strong leadership team that has helped us do a lot of that. So Wonderful. We've been spending a lot of time on that. Um, so one of the other lessons was 
just because you have something in place doesn't mean it's being enforced, right? So you talk about the lessons that are being learned and, and yes. things like that. That was one of the first parts of the evaluation was, okay, so we put these things in place, but these things didn't happen. So where did that, so that was part of the thing was going to all the team and, and just being like, okay, so where did I fail here? Where did we, where did we get this wrong so that we could, um, get through that. I do have, if you'll give me a second, I'd love to tell you at least what you want to know. The number one thing I learned yes. in this Let's um, do it. <laughs> is so when you are in the middle of crisis or you're in the middle of chaos, um, well, let me back it up and just tell you this, I'm going to tell you this, give you a little bit of context. So I run with a group of guys pretty hard and we get together once a quarter. One of the things that has been happening over the last year and a half is we train with the Navy SEALs every single quarter. Um, doing different things. And the last time we were training together, we were clearing an entire building. Like you go in blind, you don't know what's going to go on and you're clearing an entire building. I don't like these days. This is not my world. It's not what I enjoy somehow. And so I've always tried to hide in the back. I don't know if anybody else tried that. Just get through the day, get it over. (laughs) Somehow I ended up near the front and they took out the main leader. And guess who got put into leadership of the group? Yours truly. Of course. In this whole (laughs) event, I totally messed it up. Like I totally flopped it. I didn't lead well. I got all confused. I got out of sorts. So we get done with the thing and the guy's like, who was leading that? I got no idea who's leading. So I'm feeling completely exposed through this entire thing. The best thing you can do when you're exposed is take the lesson and learn from it. Right? So when the day ended, it wasn't, they do a lot of things to expose everyone. So this message I'm about to say was for me, but it wasn't specifically directed at me. But the comment at the end of the day from the SEAL trainers was what you do under chaos defines you. And I was like, wow, that's powerful. And then the other thing that I learned was when they had us go in to clear the building, the most important thing to realize is you don't have to clear the building all at once. When you're the leader, you're in charge of what's going on, and there's no time limit. You simply need to clear the building. And a lot of times in chaos, we go, oh, my goodness, this needs to be done, and this needs to be done, and this needs to ah. What I missed the opportunity was tell everyone else, shut up. We're clearing this room right here, and I will get to your room in just a minute. Stay where you are, and then clear one room at a time as you work your way through the building to finish clearing the building. I tell you that because what it did prepare me for when all the chaos happened and the proverbial, you know what, hit the fan. I looked at my teams and I'm like, look, I got it. I tell me if you see my flank exposed, let me know. But right now I'm clearing this room right here. And so I felt like I walked through the situation better than I would have without that other training because I knew, okay, the only decision I need to make next is to clear the next room. All I need to do is clear the next room. And that, if you want to go down to what I learned was that is such an important principle, no matter what you're doing is quit worrying about the whole building you got to clear and just focus on the next task ahead and what attention it needs from you. What an incredible metaphor. Uh, I mean, cause that, you know, I, I, it, when I was giving all those talks, one of the things that I laughed at myself about was that I quoted two people. I quoted uh, my former wife who put me through the divorce from hell because she has a lot of wisdom and I find this just comes up for me. And then I quote her and I acknowledge her and then I laugh at myself later. But the other person was quoting uh, uh, Stephen Covey, the late Mm -hmm. Stephen Covey from the Seven Habits book, which, you know, I don't like Stephen Covey. I don't want to speak 
you know, badly of the departed, but he sold 22 million copies of that book and I have not sold 22 million <laughs> copies of mine. So I don't like him. Uh, but he says, you know, this distinction is between paying attention to the urgent or the important. Mm. And, uh, and go, that goes back to the values piece also, by the way, uh, you know, we get so busy putting out fires. We, uh, we forget how they started and, and what's really underneath uh, the issues that we're facing. But boy, that clear the next room metaphor. And, and you had the, and, you know, it's the classic thing about experiential learning. Yeah, you exactly had the experience right. of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Eric, this has been a, an absolute delight. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you just for a conversation or for a, solving a problem or for whatever, uh, or to find out more about the very rich store of knowledge that you represent and, and the experiences you've had, uh, how do they reach you? What's yeah, the so best the way? Best, the best way to get in touch with me, I've got a website, ericl360.com, ericl360.com. That site has like everything on it. You want to set an appointment with me. You just want to follow me on Facebook. You want to watch my YouTube videos on different topics, but you, anything that you could want. Um, I've got my own podcast, which Robert appeared on, which was an incredible episode. You need to go listen to that. But I mean, if you want to follow anything, you want to follow me any way you want to get in touch. That's great. The other thing I'll tell you, if you go on there, um, I've actually got an offer right now. I've got, I built something I call six principles of kingdom success that are really kind of the, I went back, we talked about the return on intention piece, but there's six principles that have to do with return on intention. If someone's interested, that's a free, you put in your name and your email and get access to a free download. So that's something I would offer to any of your guests if they want, go take advantage of that. And then if you want to get in touch with me, I'd love to have a conversation. Wow. Eric, thanks again. I treasure our friendship. I appreciate you investing some time uh, in, with my listeners and sharing so openly and so in such incredible value. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Always, always, all, Robert. All the best. Thanks so much for joining us for Conversations with Achievers. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for this weekly show, the details are at therobertwhite.com and click on podcasts. I'm looking for businessmen and women with a story to tell, stories that might benefit other owners and executives. If you got some value from this program, I'd really appreciate you sharing about it on social media and just mentioned www.therobertwhite.com slash podcast. Of course, subscribing means you won't miss a show and rating the podcast positively will leave Robert smiling. I'm building a movement here for leaders, leaders who want to succeed in business, succeed with their families, have fun, and contribute toward making the world a better place. It's special to me that you chose to listen. I look forward to connecting again next week. Remember, reach out to me anytime with any questions or concerns at therobertwhite.com. Bye for now.